to Proverbs chapter 29. Very, 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 everybody's heard this scripture, I believe. Verse 18, Proverbs 29, 18. When you're there, say hallelujah. All right, praise God. It says right there in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Let's pray. Father, have your way here this afternoon. Lord, I pray that the ears, the minds, and the hearts are open today to you, God. Let them hear your voice, not my voice. That you minister to them the way you minister to me, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that by the end of this message, Lord God, I believe that people are going to get breakthroughs. In the matchless name of Jesus, we all said, Amen. Amen. Where there is no, you can go ahead and have your seats here this afternoon. That's what I'm saying. Just what she said, he said, Amen. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Somebody say, happy is he. Any happy people here today? Come on. Now, just because you're smiling don't mean you're happy. Did you know that? Praise him. Those of you, if you're not smiling and you're happy, I think Pastor Eddie said you need to tell your face that you're happy. Amen. Because some of us us walk around with, I know they call it sourpuss face. I'm happy, brother. You know, I'm in a good mood. Well, you need to tell your face. Amen. You guys are scaring me up here. Praise the Lord. But happy is he. Now, the vision translate in the Hebrew, the word is, I'm going to see if I can say this correctly, kazon. It means a sight, a mental sight. That is a dream, a revelation, or an oracle word from God. Say, from God. And then it goes on to say, but those who adhere to God's instruction know genuine happiness. That's the end of the scripture. That's just another translation. But those who adhere to God's instruction or God's vision. Somebody say vision. Who adhere to God's vision, no genuine happiness. How many of you guys want to be happy? How many of you guys want joy in your life? Well, then you need to adhere to the vision to know genuine happiness. Can somebody say amen? I'm going to share a story with you. You guys, everybody should have probably learned this story. You guys have probably all this, heard this story when you guys are in school, amen? But let me give you just probably something they didn't put in the books. It says about 350 years ago, there was a shipload of travelers that landed on the northeast coast of America. You guys know who, that, who those people were? Come on now. All right. Well, the first, year that they, the first year that they were there, they established a town. The next year, they elected a town government. And the third year, the town government planned to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. And in the fourth year, the people tried to impeach their town government because they thought it was a waste of public funds to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. And they said to themselves, who needs to go there anyway? Who needs to go there Anyway, well, here we are. Here were people who had the vision to see 3,000 miles across the ocean and overcome great hardships to get there. But in just a few years, they were not able to see even five miles outside of town. Huh? These people traveled 3,000 miles across an ocean. They were able to see 3,000 miles away to where they wanted to go, to where they were headed. They were able to see that. And they're able to do what they had to do, go through the things they had to go through to be able to get there. But here we are, five years later or four years later, and they can't even see five miles outside of town. Huh? Can't even see five miles outside of town. See, with a clear vision of what we can become in Christ, there's no ocean of difficulty that is too great. And without it, we rarely move beyond our current boundaries. Huh? 
Without vision, we will very rarely will somebody get outside of their boundaries without vision. Very rarely. I'm not saying it's impossible, but very rarely. Huh? But with a clear vision of what we can become in Christ, no ocean of difficulty is too great. Are you with me? Helen Keller once said this, or she was asked this. You guys probably heard this before. What would be worse than being born blind? To which she replied, having sight, but no vision. Having sight, but no vision. And this is a girl that was born blind, deaf, dumb, right? Born blind, deaf, and dumb. She could not help how she came into this world. But how many know that she was able to decide how she was going to go outside of this world? The way she came in, she couldn't, she had nothing, she couldn't do nothing about that. But the way she left, she, she could do something about that. Huh? You and I might not be able to control how we came into this world, but I'm here to let you know we sure can decide how we leave it. Are you guys with me? See, a vision from God will always be a challenge to your ability. Did you know that? That a vision from, I said, now hear me now, a vision from God, a vision from God will always be a challenge to your ability. Ask me why. I'm glad you asked. The reason why is because a, God, a vision from God is always going to be bigger than you. A vision from God is always going to be bigger than you. A vision from God will always be a challenge to your ability, and it will always ask of you more than what you're able to give. It will always ask more of what you're able to give. A vision from God. How many know we got a lot of good ideas, right? You got a lot, probably even got a lot of good vision, a lot of good dreams for your life, right? You get, man, I want to do this, and man, I want to do that. I want to go here, and I want to be there, and all that stuff is good, but those are your visions. I'm talking about a God vision. I'm talking about vision from God, from him, something that is divine. Can somebody say amen? A godly vision would always be bigger than you. It's going to be bigger than you. It's going to be bigger than your capacity. If you think you got what it takes to fulfill the vision that God has given you, it's probably not his vision. It's probably your vision. Huh? If you have this vision, you say, oh, yeah, man, I can see myself doing this, and I'm going to do that. I can make that happen. I'm here to let you know that's probably not a vision from God. Because, see, the vision from God is always going to get you like, What? What? You got to be out of your mind. That's a vision from God. If you get a vision and you're like, what? You got to be out of your mind. That's probably a vision from God. Well, at least the visions God has given me. Every single time God has shown me something, I've always said, what? You got to be out of your mind. You know, and it's funny because that just seems the way he, the visions he gives me. And they're not like these, you know, and for some people, like, well, that's not that. But for me, it's like, What? Because I, I have a lot of hang-ups. Anybody? Oh, come on. I don't know if I'm the only one who got hang-ups. Come on now. That's why we're in church. Hello. Hopefully that's why you're in church. Because you got hang-ups. Well, I, got, I got complexes just like everybody else. Come on. See, Brother Jason, you got complexes. Right? We all got complexes. We all got things that, and what happens is the enemy will exploit those. Because the, the enemy knows our ins and our outs. He knows our, you know, he knows our, uh, what do they call it? Our, he knows our patterns, and he knows why we do what we do, because he watches us, right? And he'll use those, so he'll exploit those things, so that what? We won't go forward to the vision. Because God, I've been telling you right now, if God is going to give you a vision, he's going to give it to you, and it's going to be bigger than you. It's going to be something you cannot do on your own. It's going to be something that's absolutely going to have to be God that's going to be able to do it in your life. It's not going to be on your own power. Somebody say, not my power. Come on now. So if you think you got what it takes, I'm here to let you know that's not God's vision for your life. See, and along with that, it will also carry with it, that vision will also carry with it a deep sense of conviction that this has to be accomplished. This has to get done. 
This has to get done. When God gives you a vision, it's going to also bring with it this conviction that this has got to happen. i got to make this happen. This is going to happen. Not in my own power, but in God's power. See, there's a convicting element that propels us, it enlivens us, it inspires us, and it energizes us out of the realm of passive interest into action and accomplishment. What do I mean by passive interest? I mean, if you have this vision, you're like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool, man. I, I might get involved with that. Wow, well, you, know, you know, whatever. That's passive interest. Like, hey, yeah, that's cool. You know, I've had, you know, visions come and people give me ideas like, hey, you know, God spoke to me and blah, blah. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, hey, that's cool. That's, you know, praise the Lord. But I didn't really have any kind of an interest in it really because I didn't feel, I didn't feel that conviction like that was for me, right? I didn't feel that. But see, God wants to move us beyond that to like this passive, you know, interest. Like, well, yeah. No, it's where we're like, no, that's for me, man. I got to do something about this. I got to accomplish this. God gave it to me. Because I've had even people like, hey, man, God was, you know, coming to me. God gave me this vision, and, you know, and he's, trying to, and he's trying to give it to me. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, bro. That's your, God gave you that vision. You got to accomplish that. God gave it to you. He didn't give it to you to give it to me. That's, what, that's another thing God won't do. God won't give you a vision so that you can give it to somebody else. Huh? No, God will put it in your heart. God will put that burden on your life so that you can accomplish it. But see, that's the conviction. You'll, under, you'll know that it's for you when you feel that conviction. Like, no, God gave this to me. This is for me, man. God gives you, I got to make this happen. Not my pastor, not my leader, but me. Yes, I can involve them in my vision, but it's not for them to do it. It's for me to do it. That's a conviction. Can somebody say amen? amen. See, vision is a picture held in your mind's eye of the way things could or should be in the days ahead. Right? What do they call that? Foresight, right? How many know sometimes we operate in hindsight? Too much, Right? God says, no, foresight. You need to operate in foresight. You need to see the future, man. You need to see what's ahead of you, and you need to move on it. Quit looking backwards all the time. How many know sometimes we live our life on what's behind us, on our hindsight? Well, if I just would have that, or well, if I just would have that, if I would have just went there, if I would have just went there, you know, and sometimes we operate like that, and we wonder why we're never going forward because we don't have any foresight. We don't have any vision. Vision is never for the past. Vision is always for the future. Are you with me? Having a vision is more than just looking on the bright side. Hello. Anybody ever said, well, brother, look on the bright side? Hey, no, 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 no. Don't look on the bright side. Amen. That's not vision, looking on the bright side. Well, look on the bright side, brother. At least you're not this, or at least you're not that. No, 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 no. That's not vision. Vision is looking on God's side. It's looking at life from his perspective. I'm here to let you know, some of you guys got some pretty thick glasses. I've looked at some of you guys' glasses. Amen. Some of them are pretty thick. Praise the Lord. But I'm here to but God's lenses, they're huge, man. God's perspective is big. Some of us, we have this perspective, like, like we're like a, a horse with blinders. And you know why they do that to a horse, a racing horses, why they put those blinders on them like that? That's so that they won't look to the left or to the right, so they don't, because they can't see what's going on around them, right? And yet, in one respect, it is a good thing, because it keeps them focused ahead. But also in another, it's also bad for us, because what it does, it doesn't allow us to see things that are happening, seeing the whole picture. Like, if you were sitting in the front room and you were looking at me right now, you would only see this. But if you were at the very top, looking down, you would see everything. See, that's God's perspective. This is our perspective. Sometimes we've got to look, go up there and look and see what God sees. See the vision that God sees. When he puts that vision in your heart, he puts that vision in your life, well, then you need to go and get a hold of God and see it the way he sees it. Because sometimes he puts a vision in us, and we can, it's like we're sitting in the front row, we got blinders on, all we can see is what's in front of us. We don't see everything that God wants to do. We don't see the whole picture. We don't see everything. Can somebody say amen? It's looking at life from his perspective, seeing, God, seeing everything through his eyes. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, the Bible says, Set your mind on things above, 
not on things of the earth. See, that's God's vision. God's vision is on from the heavens, right? Not the earth. He sees everything from a higher perspective. Huh? So we have to do the same thing. We have to set our minds on things above, not on the things of this earth. Because how many know the things of this earth are going to try to distract us? The things of this earth are going to try to get our vision turned to a different way. Can somebody say amen? The devil's going to try to get you to avert your attention or divert your vision somewhere else, you know, somewhere besides where God wants you to be looking. Huh? That's why you got to set your mind on things above, not things on the earth. Can somebody say amen? Vision is the art of seeing things invisible. Vision is the art of seeing things invisible. Also, Pastor Ron Crandall said this, that destinies are shaped by one's vision. Destinies are shaped by one's vision. Your destiny is going to be shaped by your vision. What vision do you have? What's the vision that God has given you? That vision is going to, it's going to shape your destiny if you let it. If you let it. Because if you don't, it's going to frustrate you. You'll see why. People who stay in perpetual failure are usually the byproduct of being visionless. I'm going to say that one more time. People who stay in perpetual failure are usually the byproduct of being visionless. They don't have any vision for their lives. It's kind of like, well, it's just same old, same old. Same, today is the same as yesterday. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to come home and go to sleep. I'm going to get up tomorrow, go to work, come home, go to sleep. And I'm not even saying, you know, hey, I'm going to get up and go to work, but this time I'm going to come, I'm going to come, I'm going to go to church, and then I'm going to go home, and then I'm going to go to sleep, Right? Sometimes we think, well, because we're coming to church, that that's what's going to make, that's what's going to keep us for the long haul. That's what's going to make these visions come to pass, and that's not what it is. I'm telling you, it doesn't mean you have a, just because you come to church don't mean you have a vision. Just because you come, just because you're sitting in these pews don't mean you have a vision. It doesn't mean you don't have a vision either. Some of you, let me be clear, some of you here, you have a vision. God has given you a vision, but you're still having all these different failures. Why? Because you're visionless. You have it, but you're not walking in it. You have it, it's there, you've heard it, you might have even seen it, but you're not walking in it. And if you're not walking in the vision, then you're visionless. It's just kind of in your pocket. You're just walking around with it. It's not going to do any good in your pocket. You've got to pull it out. Huh? You've got to pull it out. Can somebody say amen? One's destiny is determined not by what he possesses, but whether, or rather, by what possesses him. Your destiny is not determined by what you possess. It's determined by what possesses you. What's possessing you today? Huh? What's possessing you today? Is the vision possessing your life? See, when you, the vision is possessing your life, and you say, well, what do you mean by that? How does a vision possess my life? If your whole life revolves around your vision, then that vision has possessed your life. Does that make sense? If your whole life revolves around that vision, then that vision has possessed your life. Example, kids, right? How many people have kids here today? Right? How many guys got little ones? Right? And especially for you single moms, let's be honest, those kids possess your life. So you see what I'm saying? Your whole life revolves around those kids. So what I'm saying is those kids possess your life. They possess your time, your energy, your strength. The reason why you go to work, get up, and put all those extra wives for your kids. It's the same thing with a vision. When that vision possesses your life, your whole life revolves around it. So what I'm asking today is what's possessing your life? Poor eyes limit your sight. Poor vision limits your life. Just like poor eyes, right? Like, again, I look around the room, there's a lot of people that have glasses. Well, you know, poor vision, right? Physically, if you weren't to wear those glasses and you were to walk around, most of you guys would probably bump into stuff, right? You bump into stuff, trip over. Some of you guys might even kill yourself. Just be honest. You'd fall off a cliff or you'd walk out in front of traffic or something. You know, who knows what would happen? You know, praise the guys. Some of you guys are like Mr. Magoo. 
But how do you know sometimes we can be like Mr. Magoo in the spirit? Right? Walking around like, oh, where am I supposed to go? You know, that, that, I'm telling you, that guy got lucky, man. That guy got lucky. But how do you know that we're not always going to be that lucky? Amen? We're walking around visionless. Visionless. Poor eyes limit your sight, but poor vision limits your life. When you don't have vision in your life, it's going to limit you. Because you're only going to be able to go as far as you can see. Right? It's just like with somebody with poor vision. Most of the time, somebody has poor vision. You, you ever notice when they take the light, they don't really move too far, right? Why? Because they're afraid of where they're going. Because they're afraid they're going to fall. They're afraid something's going to happen. So they kind of keep themselves in a little area. I've got to stay right here because I can't really see. Same thing in the spirit. When you don't have any vision, you're really not going to go anywhere. Right? Because you're always afraid of, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't go there because I don't know what, I don't, you know, I just don't know. It's the same thing. Poor vision will limit your life. And how do you know God doesn't want to limit you? I mean, God has already lifted the limits off of you. Did you know that? I don't know if you guys know. I'm gonna, maybe I'm letting it out of the box right now. Maybe this is like a, revy, a heavy revy. Like what's, his, what's his name? This is a heavy revy for some of you guys. You know that God has already lifted the limits off of you, but some of you guys have put them back on yourselves. I'm just saying. Right? Some, God has already lifted. When God died on the cross, the limits were gone. He broke those chains, man. Everything was broken off in the name of Jesus. Do you guys believe that? Oh, come on. Do you guys believe that? God already broke those limits, man. He already broke that stuff, but some of us, we put those limits back on ourselves. We pick that stuff back up. Why? Because we're, we were used to it. You know, it's comfortable to, to us. It's familiar to us. You know, I was listening to somebody, uh, listening to a preacher. I can't remember who it was. Uh, he, was he was talking, about, he was actually talking about that. But, you know, we, sometimes we pick that stuff up because it's familiar to us. You know, when, when God is trying to give us vision and we can't understand it because we feel we're, we're limited because we have poor vision, what do we do? We go back to those things that we, that we know. We go back to those familiar addictions. We go back to those, you know, familiar relationships. We go back to those things because we have poor vision. Because we can't see those things, those, those limits that God has already taken off of us. And we limit ourselves because of our vision. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Anybody here love God? And to them who were called according to his purpose. And I'm going to read you a, 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 a page from John Wesley's diary. You guys remember who John Wesley was, right? Powerful man of God. How you know God gave him vision, right? God gave this guy a tremendous, started a whole movement, right? The Methodist movement, whole movement. Powerful man. And I'm going to read you a page of his, his diary, page from John Wesley's diary, and it reads as follows. Sunday morning, May 5th, preached in St. Anne's and was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday, p.m., May 5th, preached at St. John's, and the deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday, a.m., May 12th, I preached at St. Jude's, can't go back there either. Sunday, p.m., May 12th, preached at St. George, kicked out again. Sunday, a.m., May 19th, preached at... St. Somebody Else's Church, deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., May 19th, preached on the street. I got kicked off the street. Sunday a.m., May 26th, I preached in a meadow. And I got chased out of the meadow because they let a bull out and turned it loose on me during the service. Sunday a.m., June 2nd, I preached at the edge of town and I got kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., June 2nd, afternoon service, I preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear me. 10,000 people came to hear me. Sometimes you might feel your vision's dead. Ever feel like you, maybe your vision's dead? You're going, doing things. Man, I've, God gave me a vision, man, and I'm doing it. I'm trying to go. I'm doing what he's telling me. Right? He's telling me to do this. He's telling me what I'm doing. I'm be, remember, there's a key. You've got to be obedient, right? You've got to be obedient. Like he said to, to Nebuchadnezzar, I was not disobedient to the heavenly call, right? I was obedient to it. God said do this. See, when God gives you vision, he's going to direct your path. And that's what John Wesley was doing. He was doing what God called him. He was fulfilling the vision. But everywhere that he went, he felt like his vision was dying. But he kept 
on going. He kept on going. He kept on preaching. They kept kicking him out. They didn't like that guy. They didn't like the way he was preaching. They said, get out of here, man. But he kept on, and he kept on, and he kept on. And then what happened? 10,000 people came to hear him preach. 10,000 people came to hear him preach. Sometimes you feel as if your vision, your vision is it. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you say, you know what? God gave me a vision, but man, it's, it was like three, four, five years ago. Some of you might have been 10, 20 years ago. God gave you a vision, and you still haven't seen it come to pass. But maybe it's, maybe it's not God. Maybe it's you. I don't know. Are you like John Wesley? Have you been, you know, for lack of better words, have you been putting in work? Have you been doing what God has been calling you to do? Or have you just been sitting around waiting for it to happen? He didn't sit around waiting for it to happen. He just kept on and he kept on and he kept on. But nevertheless, sometimes we feel like that, right? I'm not here to put, a, you know, put, put you on a bummer, but you know, maybe you have been putting in work. You've been doing it, man. You've been putting your hands to the plow, but you just don't see it happening. But I'm here to let you know, don't give up. Don't give up. Because in due season, God, God is going to move on your behalf. God is going to do it. God is not a God that he should lie. Can somebody say amen? Look at the Apostle Paul. They stoned him. They thought he was dead. But what happened? He got up. What did he say? I still got work to do. Huh? He got beaten and imprisoned. What did he do? I still got work to do. Right? He got shipwrecked, left to drift in the water, clinging to nothing but pieces of uh, the boat. Right? What did he say? I still got my vision. I still got to fulfill the vision. He didn't stop. He could have drowned. He didn't drown. What did he do? He got up. And he still kept on going. I still got my vision. I still got this vision to fulfill. Got bitten by a snake. What did he do? He shook it off, right? The Bible says that he shook it off in the fire. Why? Because he said, I cannot die right now. It's not my time to die. The vision has not come to pass yet. This is not my time. So he got back up and continued on. Can somebody say amen? Second Timothy says, for the, which, for the cause that I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. Come on, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded, and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, man, I might be going through some stuff. I might have gone through a lot of different things, man, but I'm going to suffer for this stuff. But nevertheless, huh, nevertheless, I have believed. He believed in what God had told him. God gave him the vision of what he was going to do, what was going to happen. And he said, no matter what happens in between, I know that God is still giving me a vision. That I still got to get up and fulfill the vision. It doesn't matter what I go through. It doesn't mean God has left me. Just because you think you're, just because you don't feel God, don't mean God isn't there. If you're not dead, that means God is still working in your life. If you're not dead and in heaven, that means God is still working on your behalf. If your vision hasn't come to pass yet, don't give up because God is still working on your behalf. God is still moving. Maybe God is waiting on you to move. Maybe God's waiting for you to move. Sometimes we just sit in the pews saying, well, okay, God, go ahead and, you know, you gave me a vision. No, you have a part to play. You have a part to play in the vision. You got to put your hands to the plow, the Bible says. Because if you put your hands to the plow and look back, what does the Bible say? Whew, come on. If God has given you a vision, put your hands to the plow. Put your hands to the plow. That's what it's going to take to see what God wants to do within our church. It's going to take men and women that run with the vision that God has given, that put their hands to the plow. Because how many know we have an international vision, right? We got an international vision, but we also have, you know, a, a house vision as well. Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay, we have a house vision. But that house vision is connected to the international vision. That house vision is connected to the international vision. Our house vision complements the international vision. They go together. And what, what am I saying that? I'm saying that because this. If God is giving you a vision it doesn't connect with the house vision, or the international vision, I dare say that might not be a vision from God. Because if you're in this ministry, it doesn't, I mean, even if you were in another church, it doesn't matter. If you're in any church and God gives you a vision and it doesn't complement the house vision or the vision of that ministry, then it might not be a vision from God. Can we know God, the devil will give you visions too? 
God, the devil will show you some stuff, man. I mean, I don't know. His stuff looks good. Devil's stuff looks nice, right? He'll show you that brand new car. He'll show you the new house. Oh, I'm going to give it all to you, man. It's all going to be yours. All you got to do is this. All you got to do is just work them extra hours, man. Take on that second job, and I'm going to bless you, right? He'll give you vision, too. But you got to know that you know that you know that this is God giving this vision. Amen? That's what I'm saying. Not all God's visions are going to be, you know, tiptoeing through the tulips. Can somebody say amen? amen. You know, I'm, just, I'm being honest. Can I be honest? Pray. You don't want me to lie to you, right? All right. I want you to want to leave and say, oh, Pastor said, you know, God gives me a vision. It's going to be like a bowl full of cherries and tiptoeing through the tulips. No. Most, like I said, God's vision is going to be bigger than you. It's going to be something that's going to take you so far out of your comfort zone. Man, it's going to stretch you so much. But I'm here to let you know that when it's over, you're going to be able to look back and say, man, God is good. God is awesome, man. I know it was God. Just me up here doing what I'm doing right now? That's all God. That's all God. There's no way I could come up and speak to you guys in any kind of confidence if it wasn't for God. If it wasn't for God. He said, and I've been persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him. And what was it that he committed unto him? It was his life. He committed his life to the vision. And he said, I am persuaded, man. What does persuaded mean? He was convinced. That he was convinced that God was going to keep him because he gave up his life for the vision. He said, I'm going to give my whole life to this vision, man. And I've been convinced that God is going to be a man of his word. huh? And he's going to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Which is the day that he goes to be with He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. No matter what I go through, God is going to fulfill the vision. Why? Because I've given my life to it. I'm persuaded. I'm convinced. Is anybody here persuaded today? Are you persuaded? If you're not persuaded, man, I, I, by the end of this day, I hope that God persuades you. I hope you get convinced that whatever the vision is that God has given you, that he, it's going to come to pass. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Don't look at, don't look at where you're at right now. You've got to like, just like, forget everything you're going through right now. And just look at the vision and say, okay, God, and you know it's from God. This is a vision that God, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is a vision from God. And what you need to do is you need to grab a hold of it, and you need to internalize it, and you need to run with it. Can somebody say amen? In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 to 9, God speaks a word to Zechariah. This is what he says. You don't have to turn. I'm going to read it for the sake of time. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel, I have laid the foundation have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. And you might say, okay, well, what does that mean? If you read the story, you'll understand that, see, 70 years before that scripture, Babylon had been run over by Israel and destroying their cities, tearing down their walls. And in Jerusalem, the Bible says that the temple was completely gone. And the Persians had taken over Babylon, and King Cyrus called for Zerubbabel. And he said, hey, go get that guy, bring him here, I want to talk to him, Right? And the king told him to take 50,000 people and to return to Jerusalem and rebuild this once great city and the wall and the temple. He said, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 50,000 people. I want you to go back to your city. I want you to rebuild the wall. I want you to rebuild the city, but I also want you to rebuild the temple. What's the temple? That's the house of God. Right? He wants, I want you to rebuild the house of God. And the people worked hard. And when the walls were finished, they began to work on the temple. And then other people that were living in that area, they saw what was going on. They said, hey, we want to be part of that too. But Zerubbabel told them, no, you can't help. So those people, they got all hurt, and they wrote a letter to the king, 
right? Because they knew the king sent them over there. They said, hey, man, this guy's not letting us help. You know, we went over there and told him we want to help him. And he said, no, we can't help. So what did the king do? The king said, okay, stop. So he cut off all the work. Told Zerubbabel, stop building the temple. Stop building the walls. Stop everything that you're doing. And for 16 years, the Bible says that the temple lay in ruin. 16 years, that temple lay in ruin. Half started, but the glory of the house of God was not complete. 16 years, the temple of God laid half built, if even that. 16 years, and Zerubbabel is there. He's left with an unfulfilled dream, an unfulfilled vision. He knew God had called him, right? Knew God had called him. Confirmed him was what? When the king said, hey, come here. I'm going to send you over there with all these people, and I want you to go do this. He was like, oh, yeah, God, it's God, man. God, is, this is the vision. I'm going to fulfill the vision. What happens? Something happens. Cut it off. Vision For him, it looked like the vision was dead. For 16 years. Bible says, 16 years, many of us in this room, we're like Zerubbabel, right? God gave us a vision 20 years ago, 16 years ago, 10 years ago, and where are we at today? You're like, man, I'm still here. Maybe God called you to go be a missionary 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 15. Maybe God called you last week. I don't know, but whatever it was, whatever the vision was that God gave you, you haven't seen it come to pass yet. You haven't seen anything moving. You're like, man, is my was, even, was that even God? Huh? Unfulfilled dreams, uncompleted goals, unfinished works, frustrated desires. Any frustrated people here today? Right? Hopes dashed. Feels like you're living with a dead vision. Feels like you're living with a dead vision. What do you do when you think you're living with a dead vision? Or what do you do if you know you're living with a dead vision? For that matter, sometimes we know we, know we are. How do you know sometimes we know we have a dead vision, but yet we keep on with that same dead vision? It's like a backpack. Just kind of carry everywhere we go, hoping one day it's going to jump off and, you know, do something. Well, first thing we got to do is we got to remember. We got to remember where the vision came from. Got to remember where the vision came from. See, when God puts it in our hearts, it's going to come to pass. Can somebody say amen? See, the prophet told Zerubbabel that God was going to move in on the scene of disillusion and hopelessness and despair. Things were about to turn around, but not by might nor by power, the Bible says, but by the working of God's Holy Spirit. Huh? He says, not by your power, but by my power it's going to happen. He was reminding him who gave him the vision. God was telling him, don't forget, I was the one that gave you the vision. It's not you. It's not going to be your power. It's going to be my power. I'm going to be the one that's going to be able to give you the power to finish the vision. Can somebody say amen? See, God is going to do what he told you to do. I already said it before. God is not a God that he should lie. If God gave it to you and God said it, it's going to come to pass. Can somebody say amen? Can somebody say amen? The second thing we got to do, first we've got to realize what, where the vision came from. Second, we've got to realize that God is in control. Look at your neighbor and say, God's in control. God knows what he's doing. Can somebody say amen to that? God's knowing, God knows what he's doing. Even when we don't know what we're doing. Because I mean, half the time we don't know what we're doing. I'll be honest, you know, I have a card in my wallet that says I'm a licensed minister, but I don't know what I'm doing. That's, just, you know, I'm just being, I'm being transparent, amen? Just because I have a, a license, uh, I'm a licensed minister, doesn't mean I know what I'm doing. It just means God has given me an opportunity to learn and to, to be able to do what he's calling me to do. It's not because I have it all. I don't know what I'm doing. I, you know, to be honest, sometimes I'm, I'm learning like minute by minute. You know, people come up to me, Pastor Bob, I'm like, Pastor Manuel, come here, bro. <laughs> you know, come here, brother. You know, because he's he's he knows more than I do. I don't I don't know I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. But I know God knows what He's doing. I know God's as long as I understand as long as I understand that God is in control and that I know that He knows what He's doing. 
As long as he knows what he's doing, because I can put it on him. Hey, man, you, you know what you're doing, man. So it's on you, God. It's on you. This is, you know, this is all you, bro. <laughs> I don't know about you. That's how I talk to God. It's on you, brother. You know, you said do it. I'm going to do it. Praise the Lord. I don't know what I'm doing. But see, God knows what he's doing even when we don't. And the mountain that has depressed us, that has frustrated us, that is mocking us, is going to fall. Can someone say amen to that? How many of you guys need that mountain moved in your life? Praise the Lord. Well, you've got to understand that God is in control, right? The Bible says you just need faith as what? A mustard seed. And then you can say to the mountain what? Move. And what's going to happen? It's going to be moved. See, God is in control. See, because of our faith, God is able to use that control, right? But when we don't believe it, then God's not going to do it. Why would he do it if we don't believe it? He says, no, if you believe I'm going to do it, okay, well, I'm going to do it. He says, why am I going to do something you don't believe I'm going to do it? He's like, I ain't going to waste my time with you. I'm going to go over there with these faith people because they know that I can do it. They believe that I'm in control. They know that I got all things under my feet. Everything, nothing happens without my say-so. Can somebody say amen? Did you know that? Everybody thinks that God orchestrates everything. No, 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 no. God doesn't orchestrate everything. God is in control of everything, which means he allows everything, or he doesn't allow. You know, yeah, when the enemy comes against you, it's not because the enemy's stronger than God. It's because the, the God says, oh, no, no, go ahead. You can do it for it. You know, but just watch. I'm going to get glory out of this. I'm letting him do it. Why? Because I'm going to raise this guy up. So I'm gonna raise, even though the enemy's coming against you, man, I'm going to raise you up. And then what happens? Then the devil's going to be like, man, I'm going to get some glory. Can somebody say amen? God is in control. God is in control. We've got to remember that the vision is not to your glory. The vision that God has given you is not to glorify you and say, look what I did. No, the vision that God has given you is to his glory. He's going to get the glory. Because when you allow God to be in control and work through you to see the vision that he's given you come to pass, God is going to be glorified. Not you. You might get a pat on the back. Hello. Come on. Some of us, we need a pat. You know, we like to be patted on the back once in a while, right? But that's not the reason why we do it. Huh? God's in control. He gets the glory. He gets the glory. It's for his glory. But to God's glory, we see his vision is perfectly timed. The vision of God is perfectly timed. Sometimes we, like, we get frustrated. We know God has given us a vision. We're like, God, what's going on? Like uh, uh, John Wesley was like, what's going on, man? I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. But it was perfectly timed. In the right time, God was able to glorify himself. God is able to glorify. He knows when he's going to get the most glory. You know, God doesn't want a little bit of glory. He's God. Come on, some of us, we just want a little bit of glory. Come on, can you just get a pat on the back? God says, no, I want all the glory, man. So I'm going to wait, and I'm going to wait, and I'm going to wait, and I'm going to wait for the perfect time, and then I'm going to glorify myself. And I'm going to move on their behalf, and that vision is going to come to pass. Amen. Can somebody say amen? So what do we got to do when we have a dead vision? We got to remember where the vision came from, right? It comes from God. Then we got to realize that God is in control of the vision, that if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And the last thing, when we have a dead vision, is we got to let go. We got to let it go. I know we hear that all the time. We got to let go and let God. Right? We think, oh, that sounds good. Like, you know, WWJD. You know, what would Jesus do? You know, and all that. So we think these are, you know, cool little taglines. But it's, there's truth to it. There's power in the letting go. There's power in the letting go. See, letting go was not some magical formula uh, to jumpstart the vision in somebody's life. Well, just let go and let God, bro. That doesn't, like, jumpstart a vision in your life. Amen? It doesn't, like, jumpstart everything. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to let go. Woohoo! You know, it doesn't jumpstart you. It doesn't give you that jolt. Amen? Letting go does this. Letting go says, Lord, it's out of my hands. And I'm putting it in yours. I'm letting it go. Letting it go isn't like I'm going to let it go and see it fly away. Right? What does that say? You don't know... You, if it's really meant for you, if you let it go, it'll come back. That's not what that is. This is what it is. It's you're saying, okay, God, you gave it to me. Now I'm going to put it in your hands. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to give it to you. 
Why? <laughs> because you're the one that's going to make it happen. You have that. It's your vision. You've given it to me. I just want to do what you call me to do with it. You show me. You lead me. You direct me. But I'm putting it in your hands. I'm taking it out of mine, and I'm putting it in yours. That's what letting go is. Vision is the power of anticipating that which may come to be. Foresight, right? Not hindsight. We've got to quit looking back. Vision is a power of anticipating that which may come to be, or foresight. Vision is the art of seeing the invisible things. Seeing the invisible things. See, God doesn't need our successes in ministry. Did you know that? God doesn't need our successes in the vision. He is not worried about your success in the vision. You know why? Because the success is going to be his, not yours. He doesn't need your success. He needs your surrender. God doesn't need your success. God doesn't need your success. He needs your surrender. Because it's not your success. Because you're not the one that did it. It's going to be him. So he doesn't need your success. Sometimes we look at it like, well, you know, I just don't really feel like things are happening. I don't see any success. I don't see any fruit. And I don't see this. And then it's like, it's not going to be yours. It's going to be his. He doesn't need your success. If it's, if it's a vision from God, it's going to be successful. It's just going to happen. Because why? Because it's God's vision. God doesn't put something into motion that's not going to come out and glorify him. Right? Why? Because he's God. God don't make mistakes. Understand that, church. God don't make mistakes. So if God is giving you a vision, that's not a mistake. If it doesn't, if it doesn't happen the way you think it's going to happen, that's not a mistake. Well, God made a mistake. He gave me the wrong vision or he gave it to the wrong person. No. He's not worried about your success. He wants your surrender. He wants you to let go to the vision. Just, say, oh, just like Paul did. Paul let go. Paul let go. But he had every reason to hold on to it, right? Paul was an educated man. Paul probably even had money, right? And Pharisees were shady characters, right? Sadducees and Pharisees, they were shady, man. They were, like Pastor Grace, they were holding fat. They probably had fat pockets. You know, they had it with the, you know, with the tax collectors, and they were like, you know, come on, give me, you know. So they, he probably had money, you know, he had all this stuff. But yet, what did he do? He let it go. He surrendered everything to the vision. He wasn't worried about success because he knew it was God's vision. It wasn't his vision. So I'm just saying, hey, God, this is your vision, man. This is what you want me to do. That's what I'm going to do. Can somebody say amen? I'm going to attempt to read a poem. Somebody say praise the Lord. Here we go. Sorry, wet my whistle. Praise the Lord. It says this. My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors. He worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow and I in foolish pride. Forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reasons why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skilled hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. There's a pattern and a plan to the vision God has given you. huh? And sometimes we get caught and we don't see things the way God sees things. We see... You know, uh, like the, it says, he sees the upper, we see the under, right? Because we can't see things the way God sees things, huh? But it says that the dark threads are as needful, huh? just like the silver and gold. Those dark threads are just as needful, right? Just as needful as all that. Just like what it says is all those trials, all those tribulations that you're going through, you say, man, God's giving me a vision. Why am I going through it, man? If God has given me a vision, why is the devil coming against me? Because that's why the devil's coming, give, coming against you is because God is giving you a vision. Yeah. 
Huh? And those trials and tribulations and that attack from the enemy is just as needful as those mountaintop experiences. Come on, how many of you know sometimes we get up on the mountain and we're like, oh man, I'm up on the mountaintop. But as soon as we come down from the mountain, we get all discouraged. Like, oh my God, what is, you know, what's the enemy coming against me for? I'm here to let you know that God is still moving on your behalf. That those trials are just as needful as the mountaintop experiences. Huh? Why? Because it's preparing you for the vision. Huh? How many know that he's patterned out a plan for you? He's already seen all that stuff before it's even happened. You just got to believe it, amen? Without clear vision, odds are you'll, be, you'll come to the end of your life and wonder what you could have done and what you should have done. You'll wonder if your life really mattered at all. I know when I was out there, I used to think like that, man, is this, this what my life is going to be like? Am I going to be stuck in this? All this is, is this me? Does my life even matter? Does anybody even care about me? Is my, you know, is my life even going to matter to anybody? Anybody ever felt like that? You might even be here today. You might even feel like that here today. Hmm? Vision gives significance to the otherwise meaningless details of our lives. See, there are times when much of what we, what we do doesn't appear to matter much. And we, especially when we evaluate it apart from some larger context or some other purpose. Like when we evaluate our, our life compared to somebody else's, right? We hold it up against somebody else's. Sometimes they think, oh, yeah, you know, my life isn't even. Look at that. You know, this guy's this or that girl's that. But look at me. I'm over here. I'm, you know, no, don't compare yourself to anybody else. Because you're not them. You're not them. Let me say that again. You're not them. Not that they're better than you, but you're not them. You're you. God gave you a vision. God put something in your life. God made you unique. God made you you for a reason. Can somebody say amen? Some of you got big ears for a reason. Some of you guys got an oversized nose for a reason. You know, come on. I mean, I, I, you know, I had to accept that years ago. I, I'm going to look like this the rest of my life. Praise God. Amen. But when we can take the, min- the small or the minutia of common ordinary days and drench it with God-called vision, stir it up. Somebody say stir it up. Stir it up, and then suddenly we can see purpose, meaning, excitement, energy, and direction for our lives. Huh? How many of you guys need some energy in your life? How many of you guys need some direction in your life? Come on, well, you need to get a vision from God, amen? You need to get a vision from God. It's the difference in a man who is just filling bags with dirt and a man who is building a wall to save a town from being flooded. I'm going to say that again. It's the difference in the man who is just filling bags with dirt and the man who is building a wall to save a town from being flooded. You see, too many times we take on the thinking of the masses and we look at our lives as just shoveling dirt. But we can take our routines and our responsibilities and we can begin to view them through the lens of vision and our world begins to come into focus. Did you catch that? I'm going to say that again. All right, you ready? Too many times we take on the thinking of the masses, right? Or we take on the thinking of the, or the world that's around us, of what the majority's thinking. Well, this is what everybody else does. This is what everybody, everybody else thinks, right? And we look at our lives as just shoveling dirt. But we can take our routines, we can take our responsibilities, and we can begin to view them through the lens of the vision that God has given us. And all of a sudden, what happens? Our world becomes to come into focus. That's what vision does. Begin, vision begins to focus you. It begins to bring a focus into your life. Can somebody say amen? Vision brings order to chaos. Hello. Vision allows us to look past the here and now and see into the future. Some of us got chaos in our lives. We're like, why is my life in chaos? It might be because you have no vision. Because vision will bring order in the chaos. Huh? It doesn't stop the chaos. Hello. <laughs> it doesn't stop the chaos. It just what does it do? It brings order to it. It just brings order. You might be, might be chaos in your house right now. 
Well, if you got a vision, I'm here to let you know that that vision will bring order to that chaos. Uh, it'll bring a peace to that chaos. How many of you guys need some peace in your chaos? Well, you need to get a vision. Praise the Lord. Vision requires visionary people who have allowed their thinking and heart to wander outside boundaries that have been hoisted upon us. How many of you know there's a lot of boundaries that have been put upon us? You can't do this, and you can't do that, and you're never going to amount to nothing. And you're never going to. And what happens is over time, that puts boundaries around us. You know, it sets up walls around us that, you know, sometimes we don't see them, but they're there. Because, you know, our, maybe our parents or our relatives or our friends, just over the years, have, have just put that stuff on us, man. I'm telling you, words are very powerful. Words are very powerful. That's why, you know, when somebody speaks that kind of stuff, you go, no, I, uh, I bind that in the name of Jesus. You start to break those walls down. Those are the boundaries sometimes that have been set up upon our lives. And sometimes vision, or not sometimes, but every time, vision will require people to be able to think outside those boundaries. You got to think outside those boundaries. Well, this is what they said about me. No, vision is going to say, no, I got a vision from God. God says I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter what you say. God said this. It doesn't matter what you say. This is what God said. It doesn't matter what that person said. This is what God said. And you got to believe what God says. But that's what a vision does. Vision will take you outside of those boundaries. It'll break down those boundaries. Can somebody say amen? So the scripture says that without a vision, people perish. Well, I'm here to let you know that the opposite is also true. That with a vision, people prosper. With a vision, anybody need to prosper here today? See, the, view, the future is always, check this out. I'm going to get a little kind of scientific on you, if I will. Amen. You guys ready? Got your science hats on? All right. Praise the Lord. The future is always created twice. The first creation happens in our mind as we envision the future. The second creation happens when you literally flesh it out. Did you catch that? When you flesh it out. Not flush it out. Flesh it out. What does that mean? That means when you begin to internalize it, you begin to walk it out. When you begin to take it physically and physically operate in the vision. Can somebody say amen? First, it happens here, right? God will put it here, which is connected to here, right? These are connected. God will put it here, and it connects to here. It, so here the vision is created once, and then the second time it's created is when we take it from here, and we begin to walk it out in the flesh. Can somebody say amen? All right. You guys passed the test. <clears throat> vision starts with visualization. And this is where it gets really scientific, Amen. In 1995, Alvaro Pascual Leon did a study validating the importance of visualization. A group of volunteers practiced a five-finger piano exercise while neurotransmitters monitored their, monitored their brain activity. As expected, neuroimaging neuro revealed that the motor, the motor cortex was active while practicing the exercise. Then researchers told the participants to mentally rehearse the piano exercise in their mind. And the motor cortex was just as active while mentally rehearsing it as it was during physical practice. And the researchers came to this conclusion. Imagined movements trigger synaptic changes on the cortical level. And that study confirmed statistically what athletes already knew instinctually. Did you catch that? That it, it, it confirmed statistically what athletes already knew instinctually. Mental rehearsal is just as important or more important as physical practice. It's mind over matter. How many of you know a lot of times we see these athletes, we see the things they do, go, man, how do they do that? It's instinct. Why? Because they practice it over. They've thought about it in their mind over. They, yeah, they, of course they practice it in the physical, right? They go, they have practice every day. They run drills. But when they're at home, what are they doing? What are they, they're watching films. They're, they're, in their mind, they're practicing in their mind. What am I going to do with if this happens or that happens? How am I, I'm going to move left. I'm going to move right. I'm going to spin. What am I going to do? They, in their mind. So what happens? When it happens, what do they do? It's instinct. It's instinct. Could somebody say amen? 
And that is a testament to the power of right brain imagination and the importance of well-defined dreams. See, when you dream, your mind forms a mental image that becomes both a picture and a map to your destiny. Not just a picture, but a map. What's that? What is a map? A map is what? Something that gives you direction. How are you going to get there? He also gives a map to your destiny. How many of you guys need a map to your destiny? How many of you guys been going around in circles like, man, I feel like I'm lost, man. I'm stuck. Where I, I know I got a destiny, but I just don't know where I'm going. Well, some of us, we need a map on how to get to our destiny, amen? That's what a vision from God will do. Are you with me? That picture of the future is one dimension of faith. And the way you came, or the way you frame it, is by circling it in prayer. Listen to this story. What time is it? Oh, praise the Lord. AJ, go ahead, come, amen, team. Listen to this story. In 1992, a Canadian swimmer named Mark Tweaksbury, I guess his last name is, Mark Tweaksbury won the gold medal in the 200-meter backstroke at the Barcelona Olympics. When he stepped onto the gold medal stand, it wasn't the first time that he had done so. He stood on the gold medal stand the night before the race and imagined it before it happened. He imagined it before it happened. He visualized every detail of the race in his mind's eye, including his come-from-behind victory by a fingertip. By a fingertip. He visualized every detail. He had a vision of winning the race. He had a vision of being on that medal. He, was, he went out and he, he saw it in his mind. I'm going to be standing on that platform, man. I'm going to be receiving that gold medal. Because I'm, I'm going to win. I already know I'm going to win. Because he had a vision. The Australian sailing team did the same thing in preparation for the 1983 America's Cup. The coach made a tape of the Australian team beating the American team three years before. And he narrated the race with the background sound of a sailboat cutting through the water. Every member of the team was required to listen to that tape twice a day for three years. Twice a day for three years. By the time they set sail from San Diego Bay, they had already beaten the American team 2,190 times in their imagination. 2,190 times they'd already beaten them before the race even started. Because they had a vision. Because they had a vision. They saw it. They saw into the future. God has given you a vision. I don't know how long it's been. Maybe you feel like you've got a dead vision. You know, it's been a long time. Maybe because you haven't been rehearsing that vision over in your mind. Like, okay, God, you gave me this vision. And you said this is what's going to happen. And, and, and you're playing it over in your mind. And you're seeing it happen. And you're seeing it. Maybe you, maybe you can't see it happening anymore. Maybe in the beginning you're like, yeah, you're playing it over. And you're playing it over. And you see it. Oh, yeah, okay, I see it. I, I can see myself there. I can see myself doing it. Yeah, okay, God, I can see it. I can see it. And then maybe sometimes, you know, we got somehow, I don't know. Maybe we forgot who gave us the vision. Right? Because remember, we got to remember who the vision comes from. Maybe we forgot. Maybe we forgot that God was in control. We tried to take control and things just didn't work out. Huh? How many know when we put our hands in it and we try to control, how many know things don't usually don't work out? Sometimes maybe that's what happened. I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, we haven't let go of it yet. Maybe we're still trying to hold on to it because we think we're going to make it happen. I'm going to see the I'm going to make this vision happen. No, it's not going to be you. You've got to let it go. You've got to give it to God. Give, put the vision back in his hands and say, okay, God, this is yours. You gave it to me. You said you're going to make it okay. I'm going to put it in your hands. I'm going to release it. And I'm just going to be obedient. I don't know. Or maybe you're, you're new here and you're saying, you know, maybe I haven't got a vision yet, but I'm here to let you know. If God hasn't given you a vision yet, but you say, you know what, I'm still, I still don't like, I don't like where I'm at. 
I'm tired of being where I'm at. I want to do so. I want to go forward for God. I want to do something great for God. Well, then you got to get a vision from God. And how do you do that? You got to get close to Him. You got to get close to Him. Huh? You got to get close to God. And how do you do that? You get through prayer, you get into His Word. That's how you get close to God. Read His instruction book. Amen. Everything you need to know is in the Bible. If you, want, if you want to know anything about God, read, the, read his word. Read his love letters to you. That's where you're going to get to know him. And that's where he's going to speak to you. And that's where you're going to, he's going to give you the vision. It's not always an audible voice. He's not always going to, you know, like, like Moses up on the, on the mountain. He's not going to give you, you know, the Ten Commandments. And you're going to chisel them out. That's not how it's going to happen. It's going to be through his word. It's going to be that small, still voice when you're in a prayer closet. He's going to whisper in your ear, I got a plan for you. You're going to be a pastor one day. You're going to be a pastor's wife one day. You're going to take a city. You're going to start a life group. You know, sometimes we think a vision from God has to be this huge, grand, I'm going to go, I'm going to start my own ministry. I'm going to start my own church. No, sometimes it's, you're going to start a life group. You're going to minister to your neighborhood. Huh? I don't know what it is. I don't know exactly where you're at today. I don't know where you're at in your vision, but maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you feel like it's dead. Or maybe you say, you know what? I need a vision. I want a vision from God. Well, today's your day. Today's your day. The choice is yours. You have to make the decision. Like uh, Shane Wheeler was saying, that one degree shift. Sometimes we got to make that one degree shift. I've been hearing a lot about that, right, lately? About shifting just one degree. Maybe that's all you got to do. You got to make that little shift here today. Because God is going to do it. God is going to do it. You just got to put your hands to the plow. How many are ready to put their hands to the plow today? How many guys are ready to revive the vision within your life? How many guys are ready to see that vision come to pass? If that's you, I want you to go ahead and stand to your feet here today. And what I'm going to do is I want to pray with you here today. Just go ahead and bow your heads with me here today. Again, I don't know exactly where you're at today. I don't know, I don't know the vision God has given you. I don't know what God has shown you. But you do. You know. And that's what's important, is that you know. Or again, if you have, if you, you don't have, maybe you're new, you just got saved. You know, right now, the vision that God has given you is probably, you know, just stay saved. You know, just, but that's a vision. That takes, that you still have to put your hands to the plow to stay saved. You still have to cultivate your relationship with God. And that takes work. It's not easy. It's work. So you still have to put your hands to the plow. And when you do, that's when God is going to begin to give you vision. He's going to begin to lay out the plan and the purpose for your life. But you got to put your hands to the plow. you got to begin to go forward. And today is your day. If that's you, you say, you know what? I feel like my vision's been dead. And I need my vision to be revived. I need that fire to be lit again. I need to put my hands to the plow again and begin to go forward.